Good morning. A few announcements for you this morning. Uh, my 20th men's uh, breakfast in the fellowship hall at 8.30. May 16th is heart to heart. Uh, Robin, you have anything for that? Okay, we have no prime timers this month. Uh, if you'd like to volunteer for any ministry, we're needing any, we're needing help all over the place. So if you uh, have a, a desire to help us out, uh, let any of the board members know. Uh, there is no church tonight because we're going to have uh, the baccalaureate and uh, everybody's welcome to go to the baccalaureate uh, at the high school. We have our church business meeting on May the 21st, a week from tonight. Uh, everyone is welcome to come to it, but only members can vote for the board members. Uh, nominating ballots are due this morning. Uh, if you would either put them in the uh, offering or in the uh, uh, offering boxes outside or see me after, the, uh, after church, we can take your nominating ballots for that. And uh, if I can get some help on the offering, uh, we'll take the offering at this time. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the blessings you've given us, Lord. We ask that you'd use our offerings for your will. Amen. stand. We're going to go ahead and go into worship. As you can see, we're a little slimmer than normal on the platform this morning, but it's okay. It's okay. So glad to see all y'all here this Your mercy never fails All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Till I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the mercy 
going to sing Amazing Grace, and y'all all know this song. So I want to hear praises going up from every corner of this auditorium. Father, we thank you so much for your amazing grace, God. Without it, Lord, we would not be here today, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for the special attention you give to each and every one of us as your children, God. 
Help us, God, to never take it for granted in Jesus' holy, holy name. We thank you and we pray. Amen. Amazing grace. And amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed yes. Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already And grace will lead me home when we've been there, yes, when we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun. praise that when we first began sing amazing grace yes and amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me once was lost. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Yes, God. For Thou, O oh Lord, art high. 
above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. And I exalt thee. I exalt
Let's do that together. Lord, we exalt you. We glory in your goodness. We glory in your love. And Lord, just as the song that we've sung, we exalt you above all that there is. We declare that you are the only God. You're the God creator, the God provider, the God protector, the God friend. We glory in your love. We glory in your ever abiding. We thank you, Lord, for the life that you give. That, Lord, in you we find our joy. In you we find our purpose. In you we find our reason. Our very meaning for life is all wrapped up in you. So, Lord, we want to come back and thank you. Thank you for the goodness that we as your children enjoy. And and thank you, Lord, it's so good to know that you are God. And we worship, we magnify you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. God is good, amen. amen. I would like to give an opportunity for prayer this morning. And, and as we go into a time of prayer, I'd like to just remind you of something. If you would just continue to stand. And if you have to see, sit down, if, if you got, uh, what is that called? Uh, whatever it is, you can be seated. You know. <laughs> I was going to say veins that, that throb and you can't stand. Uh, but if you're young and healthy, get up and stand up. <clears throat> no. I love the Lord. How about you? God bless you. Good to see all, a lot of unfamiliar faces. And I'm unfamiliar. I drove down from Mustang. It rained all the way. And, and man, we got some good rain. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, Paul and I, were the fill-in. We're kind of the temp. Uh, we've been the 11, 12-week temporary here. And we've enjoyed being with you. Man, I love what God's doing in Long Grove Assembly of God Church. Last week we had two salvations and, and God's moving. God can even move with the temporary guy, with an old dude that's retired and, and semi-retired. And, uh, but if you would, I, I want to have prayer with you. You know me by now. I, I bring my anointing oil. And uh, one of the things that I personally do, not that it's biblical required or anything, but when I pray at home, I hold this. And in my daily prayer time, I just put it in my hand and, and I pray. And I don't believe there's any power in the oil, but there's power in what the oil represents. And what the oil represents is anointing. Uh, when you look at the Old Testament, if you'll remember with me, there was an anointing that they would do upon the high priest. And the oil that they didn't touch with a finger, it poured down off the beard of Aaron and it represented the anointing of God. If you would, I, I, all I do is I touch, because if you're maybe not familiar with this, all I do is just get a little drop on my finger and I will touch you on the forehead just to anoint you with oil. And because it is biblical, because the Bible says if there's any sick among you, call for them to come forward, call for the elders, the deacons, the leaders of the church to come, anoint with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and God will raise them up. And we anticipate that. And the reason we anticipate it is because of a trait of Jesus. When Jesus, if Jesus were physically here, like I'm standing in front of you, when Jesus would look at a group of people like this, 
Scripture says that he was moved with compassion. He really cared. And the Greek, if you'll remember with me, New Testament written in Greek, um, the Greeks believed that the seed of emotions was in the stomach. We, for the most part, believe that the seed of our emotions is in our heart. Even though our heart, that physical pump, that, that has nothing to do with emotions, but we call it, I love you with all my heart. You know, so we believe that the seat of our emotions is our heart. The Greek believed it was the stomach. And it would literally, no, please understand this. When Jesus looked at a crowd of people, this was the Greek word, he was moved, his bowels yearned, his stomach cramped because he looked at the people and was moved with compassion. I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever watched news and you hear about the 14-year-old girl that just a couple of weeks ago in Norman was killed and then a little girl's being uh, killed. And, and me personally, I hear that news and I literally feel it here. I go, oh. Uh, you, you watch commercials of little babies in Africa that have bloated bellies. And I don't know if you're like me, but I feel it here. I just go, oh. There is an example of Christ. Because when Christ would look at a group of people like this, he literally would go, oh, he was moved with compassion. He cares. And he wants to minister. He wants to minister to your need. Man, on a Mother's Day, it would be a great day to allow God to bring healing. Uh, I don't know if you're here as a mother this morning, maybe battling sickness, you need a touch from the Lord. Or maybe if you, as a mother, want to come up and stand in for one of your children uh, needing a healing touch for the Lord. But we want to give you this morning an opportunity for prayer. As the musicians, just go back into something. If you're here this morning would like prayer, would you meet me right here? Just dismiss yourself. Come stand across the front of the church. I'm going to invite the deacons and, and the elders of the church to come and agree together with us in prayer. God bless you as you come.
Bless your heart. God is good. Amen. Amen. I love the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. All you ladies, happy Mother's Day. And in fact, as a, a pastor for 40 plus years, what I like to do is just make it Women's Day. Happy Women's Day. You, you know, and thank God for the ladies in our church. Uh, I, can't, I am a Christian today because of my mother. Uh, when I was a little rug rat in West Tulsa, uh, my, I went to church whether I wanted to or not. You know, it was never an option. It, it, you know, I'll tell you one thing that I never asked around my house. Are we going to go to church today? We, we never asked that. Why? Because we was always going to go to church. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, I was just a dirty, grimy little boy. I have a two-year-older-than-me brother. We'd be outside playing, be stinky, sweaty, and we'd come in. And I don't know why Mom may thought that this helped, but she would wet our hair and, and comb it and then say, get in the car. You know, so we, our hair looked good, and, and we'd go to church. And, and I, my mother now is 92 years old, May 4th. Last week, she had a birthday, 92. And when I go visit her at the nursing home, she doesn't know me now. Uh, she, she says, do you work here? And, uh, but I take her candy and cookies every week. And, and, it, and, and it, it's okay. I, you know, we've had years with my mother, and I love that. But the, the reality is, when I go into a room, her focus is on the candy and the cookies. <laughs> you know, oh, you're the candy cookie guy. Come on in. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay. I love the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for being here. I've got a message for you today, and I've got a beautiful family here that's going to illustrate it, and they didn't even know it, uh, but you're going to here in a moment. And in fact, they don't even know which one they are, and I'm afraid to tell them which one they are because they'll probably leave, and I don't want that to happen. Uh, but uh, thank God for our mothers. 
And in fact, let me go back to what I said before. Thank God for our women. Uh, we're living in a culture that there's a degrading of women. I'm going to expose that this morning. The sad reality is it's, inf it's infiltrated the church. And we don't want a lie to infiltrate the church. Pausing for an amen. Okay, you, I caught you off guard. You, you didn't hear that. I said, we don't want a lie infiltrating the church. Amen. We don't. We don't. Because truth, please look at me. What's the most critical thing that we do in church? Share truth. The reality is truth is not a democracy. We can't vote on truth. Okay, everybody believes that Jesus is true. Hold up your hand. Okay, if we didn't get enough votes, then Jesus is not true. Truth is not a democracy. Either Jesus is true or he's lie. Are you with me? Truth is truth. Truth is not up, open for debate. If it's true, it's true. Are you with me? Can you say, uh, uh, turn on your brain, here you go. Uh, the reality is, if it's true, it's true. You know, and, and let's understand that. And we're going to respond to truth. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, preacher of the word, what my desire is every time I come behind the pulpit, I want to share with you truth. I don't want popular opinion. I don't want man's perspective. I want what's truth. And this is where I find truth. Are you with me? The reality is people have tried to discredit this book, saying it's outdated and, and God messed up because sometimes God creates boys and they are really girls and God sometimes creates girls and they're, no. That goes against truth. Is it popular in our culture? No, it's not popular, but it's truth. And see, the thing is, truth doesn't change because of culture. In other words, again, I'll go back, it's not up for vote. Are you with me? In our culture today, and please, I'm going somewhere. I think you know me by now. Uh, I'm going somewhere. It's critical that we know truth. L let me have a prayer. Father, I pray your anointing upon your word. May that guy up there behind the pulpit preach nothing but truth. May he be able to have your anointing and keep him from being boring, help him not to be boring. We pray, Father, for your anointing upon both the speaker and the receiver of your word. And may the outcome of this day be your perfect will. Have your perfect way in and through your word, your truth, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would, the title of the message I have for you this morning is God's Power to Transform Lives. If you will, find with me Joshua chapter 2. I have an example of a woman in Joshua chapter 2 whose life was transformed beautifully. Okay, I'm on, now, uh, if you would please, I think you know me by now. I, I love participation. If you don't want to participate, it's okay. But uh, how many people want to make heaven? You, you want to get to heaven? There's a, there's a bus out front loading up people going to heaven. How many want on it? Okay, okay, if you didn't, okay. Yeah, there's only two places. So if you don't want to go to heaven, you're going to go to hell. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Okay, the reality is, please get this. God has transformed our lives from death to life, from hell to heaven. God has transformed our lives from emptiness to completeness. Uh, I can tell you across this room, God has restored marriages. God has given new hope. God has given peace. God has given comfort. God has healed bodies. God has transformed lives. Can you say amen? And I, I can tell you, me personally, thank God for the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Uh, we live in a culture that we have an influence uh, 
and it is from an outside source. Please understand with me the challenge that we have with Islam today. Uh, why would any woman want to become Muslim is beyond me. But if you would please notice, this is the, the statistics of today. Over one billion Muslims around the world, one out of every five people in the world is Muslim. Muslims are evangelizing the world. One of their targets is the prisons. If you go into a prison, there is strong evangelism in the prisons toward Islam. If you would, in New Mexico, this is America, in New Mexico is an all-Muslim community from which Orthodox Sunni Muslims intend to evangelize all America. There are more than twice as many Muslims in the United States as there are, as there are people attending Assembly of God churches. So you take all the Assembly of God churches across America, double that, and there are more Muslims. I gotta say, God help us. Amen. What I see is with Islam, please understand this, I see with Islam, I've got a Quran, and, and I, I like to understand, and I like to study, and I like to know. What I see with Islam is an influence that is anti-female against, some of you are nodding because you know. If you will, in the Quran, in what we would call chapter four, the fourth division, verse 34 of the Quran, men have authority over women because God has made the one superior to the other, men superior to women. And they spend their wealth, the men spend their wealth to maintain them, the women. Good women are obedient. They guard their unseen parts because God has guarded them. That's why they cover. Uh, as for those from whom you fear disobedience, in other words, if your wife is disobedient, uh, admonish them and forsake them in beds apart and beat them. That's Islam. Uh, Quran chapter 2, verse division 228. Women shall with justice have rights similar to those exercised against them although men have a status above women. I'm gonna tell you that's wrong. Pausing for an amen. Every woman ought to have said amen. amen. I said, let me say it again, that's wrong. Uh, and I, I know this is being live streamed and I know uh, many times when you live stream, you go worldwide, but I'm very bold in, in my beliefs and that is Islam is a lie. And there's an example of it. Uh, to be able to share with you the lie of Islam, you've got to have an antidote to the lie. And if the antidote to the lie is how the Bible views women. If you'll notice with me, Genesis 1 and 27, men and women were created in God's image. He didn't create just the man in God's image. He created both man and woman in the image of God. If you will, Genesis 2 and 20, women are seen as partners with men. He needs a help meet comparable to him. If you will, Exodus 20 and 12, children are to honor both their mother and their father. In fact, across the room, how many of you got more spankings by your mama than you did your daddy? Anybody? <laughs> you learned to honor your mama. Can you say amen? Uh, if you will, Micah 6 and 4, Miriam was recognized alongside of her brothers, Moses and Aaron. If you will, Judges 4 and 4, Deborah. Deborah was both a judge and a prophetess. If you will, Deuteronomy 16 and 17, the women alongside the men celebrated the feast in public worship. It wasn't the woman had to stay in the back and, and men came out and had the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of, if you remember with me, the Passover. The women were right there enjoying the same feast. 
In 1 Samuel 1 and 12, Hannah prayed to God. Think with me and get this. Eli knew she was praying. Why? Because he saw her mouth moving. She didn't have a veil on. Anybody say amen? amen. Thank God. Uh, 2 Chronicles 34 and 22, Huldah was a female prophet in Israel. Man, that would be a good, good shot right there for you to have. That's biblical perspectives. That's Old Testament. And I know some people go, oh, that's Old Testament. Well, if you would, no one lifted up and elevated women more than Jesus. When you go to Scripture, this is New Testament. In Luke 8, 1 through 3, several women helped Jesus in ministry. Luke 10, 41 and 42, Jesus encouraged women in their discipleship, even over their domestic chores. Uh, remember Martha and Mary? You know, Martha, you were worried about me. Why don't you do like Mary and just said, are you with me? You know, over your domestic chores, seek Jesus. If you will, John 4 and 26, the first recorded announcement of Jesus being Messiah was to a woman, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. If you will, John 8, if you remember the people gathered together throwing rocks at this lady and, and Jesus said, the one without sin cast the first stone. Uh, John 8 and 11, Jesus treated even outcast women with respect and with mercy, even the outcast. Uh, in Mark 69, Jesus appeared. He gave the headline news to Mary, a woman. He is risen. That is the best headline that there's ever been. He is risen. And he gave it to a woman. And it, doesn't, it didn't stop in the New Testament with just Jesus because it went on into the early church. In Acts 1 and 14, women were part of the 120 on the day of Pentecost, gathered together when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Acts 2 and 17, women were included in the promise of the last day's outpouring. I will pour out of my spirit upon your men servant and your maid servant, so men and women. Uh, Acts 18 and 26, women taught alongside other husbands in ministry. Don't let anybody tell you women need to shut up. They don't know their Bible, if you will, Aquila and Priscilla. In Acts 21 and 9, Philip had four daughters who prophesied. Uh, there was a pastor in the New Testament that was a woman, and her name was Phoebe, and she was in the church at Rome. Uh, Phoebe was recognized as a leader, and Paul, in his writing, encouraged people to come under her leadership and help her in ministry, because she's the one that's leading that church. I got to say amen. Amen. Go, go get them, girls. Thank God for the women. Anybody say amen? Uh, okay, now in Christianity, there's no place, and I, now I'm setting you up for an amen, and sit real quiet if you don't agree. And you guys kind of look around, girls listen, watch. Here we go. In Christianity, there's no place for degrading and belittling women. No place. You're, if you belittle the great women, you are not biblical. And I just proved it to you. Now, if you want to allow the Quran to influence you, rather than the Word of God to influence you, you can start beating your wife. But let me tell you, if you're a Christian, you are wrong if you beat your wife. Amen. And ladies, if there's anyone here living in an abusive relationship, I'll be point blank with you. God does not want you living in an abusive relationship. God wants to lift you up higher than that. And God doesn't expect you to live in that. Okay, let me introduce you to a woman. Her name is, you're going to hear it over and over, and it's biblical, Rahab the harlot. If you would, go with me to Judge chapter 2. Uh, the title of the message again is God's Power to Transform Lives. One of the greatest transformations of a life I find 
was in a harlot, and her name was Rahab. If you will, in Judges chapter 2, verses 1, now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acadia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot. Over and over, it's interesting how when Rahab is mentioned, it's placed harlot with her name, of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out our country. Then the woman took the two men, these spies, and hid them. So she, Rahab, said, Yes, the men, and now they, she's talking to the people of her city. Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for they, for you, may overtake them. Verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax which, he had laid, which she had laid in order on the roof. In other words, Rahab hid the two spies. If you will, I want you to see something with me. First point is, is this, her terrible lifestyle. This, this is a girl with a terrible moral lifestyle. If you will, like many people before meeting God, Rahab's life was a mess. How many people your life was a mess before Jesus? All of you hold up your hand. Yeah, your life was a mess before Jesus. You were driven by pride, by self-will. You were controlled by the devil. You know, people think that when they're not a Christian, well, I'm in control of my life. Let me tell you, you're not in control of your life. Somebody else is. And that is not, if you're not a Christian, it's not God. So if you will, please understand, her life was a mess. Uh, Joshua was two and one in the in, uh, New King James Version, a harlot named Rahab, NIV, a prostitute. So let's understand exactly what we're talking about. I, I don't like you to leave and question, you know, what do we mean? She is a prostitute. Rahab was a dirty, immoral, sin-sick woman living in a culture on the brink of God's judgment. She was a willing participant in selling her body for profit. Understand her lifestyle. She had degraded herself to being used like an animal with no respect. Uh, she was devalued to being an object and not a person. If you, if you had met her, you would have seen a woman with no dignity and a lifestyle that was self-destructive. This is Rahab the harlot. She was exactly the type of people that God loves to get a hold of. Let me say that again. She was exactly the type of people God loves to get a hold of. Um, and understand, uh, this still is true in our culture today. Uh, God loves to bring change. Can you say amen? amen. God loves to change lives. Uh, to the teenage girl who gave her purity to purchase popularity from a group who doesn't even care for her, God gives life. God cares. Uh, to the young lady who, who gave what should have been saved for her husband so she could have a boyfriend, God cares. 
if you will, to the woman who, and the women who have lost their self-respect, their dignity, and their ambition in life has been lost. I'm going to tell you, God cares. He loves to take what the enemy means for destruction, and he loves to turn it around for good, make good out of it. If you would, notice with me, and let's understand this scripture. Rahab was a moral bottom feeder in Jericho. Morally, she was at the bottom. She was a bottom feeder. Uh, chapter 2, verse 15, her house was in full view of the city wall. It was a harlot. It was a whorehouse. Uh, Deuteronomy 20, 16, and 18, uh, God had instructed Israel to kill all the people of her city due to their wickedness. Uh, Leviticus 18, 1 through 24, if you want to read that, those verses, they're sickening because every sexual perversion is listed there. Anything you can think of, and, and I'm not even going to go there because me personally, it embarrasses me to even, I won't say it. But every sexual perversion you can even think of is listed in Leviticus 18. And understand, that's how the people in this promised land that Israel was taking over, that's how the people lived. They lived with a sexual perversion that was beyond See, the thing is, is we, we've got people thinking that everything is new today. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing new today. You know, in fact, it, it, even in the Roman culture, homosexuality was, was just everywhere. So please understand, the sin-sick society that we live in is nothing new. It's exactly how Canaan was, the land of Canaan was, when the children of Israel came to the brink of the land. Uh, Rahab was one of the most immoral, sin-sick women in Scripture. She was, a bottom, she was a bottom feeder in a culture of Jericho, which was a terrible, terrible culture. Number two, her willingness to believe. As bad as her life was, this girl had a, a trait that I wish everyone in this congregation had. She was willing to believe. If you will, notice with me, let's pick up the story. Chapter 7, or excuse me, 6, verse 7. says, Then the men pursued them, the men of Jericho pursued the spies. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, before they laid down, she came up to them on the roof. So Rahab visited the spies. And she says to the two spies, verse 9, and said to the men, listen to this profession of faith. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Shihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Listen this profession. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. For your God is God. Here we've got a moral bottom feeder who has a trait that I believe that some people who dress good, look good, smell good, and, and fake everybody out in church. Uh, here she had a trait that some people, even attending church, don't have. And her trait is she was willing to believe. 
And I love that in this girl. Uh, Rahab's heart was ready for a belief in God. Verse 9, she knew God had given Israel the land. Verse 10, she had heard the report of God's power over Israel's enemies. Verse 11, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above, and the Lord your God, He is God above the everything. Now notice with me, and here's her process to believe. She heard about God. She was stirred with the reality of God, and she chose to believe. I pray that everyone in this congregation, 100%, can follow that girl's example. Uh, notice with me, she heard about God. You're hearing about God now. Uh, she was stirred by the reality of God. I pray that the Holy Spirit stirs this congregation, every one of us. The last, she made a decision. Uh, it is your choice. You can leave here just like you came if you want to, or you can leave here with Jesus Christ. You might say, Amen. Now, this is the process towards saving faith. Few people walk into the church and absolutely have no knowledge of God. Can you say amen? Few people walk into this church. You're here this morning, even if you're not a Christian. I would say few people have come into this church without a little bit of a knowledge of God. Uh, I don't believe you can live in America and not know that Jesus died for the sin. Easter. Uh, you know what I mean? So the reality is there's very few people that don't have a knowledge of God that God loves you. You don't have, uh, very few people don't have a knowledge of the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. And very few people have, uh, I believe very few people live without the knowledge of salvation is free. All you got to do is receive it. It's a free gift. Okay, so why do people know yet they refuse to respond? Why do people come to church Sunday after Sunday or any time and they refuse to respond? I'm just not going to do that. Well, here's some reasons. One is pride. Pride will keep you away from God. Uh, pride may be their holdout that they refuse to humble themselves to God. Another holdout I see is stubbornness. There's such a thing as just being a hard head. Stubbornness may be their holdout because no preacher is going to tell me what to do. Another one is control. You know, I want to be in control of my life. Nobody can. And all the time, somebody else is pulling your strings, and you're a puppet for someone else. And that's Satan. Um, whatever their personal holdout, they are unwilling to act upon their faith like Rahab, the moral bottom feeder. Uh, the fact is, a prostitute from a sin-sick culture developed a belief in God and then willingly act upon that belief. I'm going to ask you to follow the example of a harlot, Rahab. If you would notice with me, number three, and now I'm not a long preacher. I, I, I believe in getting, it, getting, getting in here, get it said and get it done. And, but notice with me her lifestyle, the new life that she has in Christ. Uh, Joshua chapter 2, go to verse 17, and it's 17 through 19, and it says, So the men said to Rahab, We will be blameless of this oath. They make an oath, and the oath is because you protected us, if you will put a scarlet ribbon outside your window, we'll notice it, we'll see it, and when we attack the city, will anyone that you have in your home will be spared. We will not kill you. We'll not kill your family if we see this scarlet ribbon hanging outside. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. 
unless when we come into the land, you hold this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your family's household to your own house. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is held, is laid on him. In other words, we're going to protect them. You get them in your home, we'll protect them. So they have this agreement, this promise that they're going to protect. Understand the scarlet thread. What color is scarlet? It's red. The scarlet thread represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, if you remember with me, remember Passover? Uh, Passover was the blood that was put on the doorpost. And Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. There's the application of the blood. Thank God we can ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, and He doesn't cover them. He washes them away. They're gone. Uh, the Old Testament was atonement, and that was a temporary appeasing, a covering of sin. Thank God our sins today are not covered. Our sins are totally removed. They are, we are cleansed of them, never to come back to the memory of God. See, the challenge for you and me is we remember people's hurting us, and we remember ill will towards us. God does not remember. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our sin. Anybody say amen? Total forgiveness. Now, everyone in the house would be spared. Everyone. If you'll notice with me, the scarlet or the red is the salvation. Salvation is available for all who apply the blood. I don't care what your background, by, lay, by way of live stream, I don't care if you're in a hotel room right now and, and you're a prostitute. It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict. It doesn't matter how sin sick your life is. I can tell you that salvation is available for you today. And I thank God for that. If you will, notice with me Joshua chapter 6, verse 22. The same two men who spied out the country were sent by Joshua to save Rahab and her family. That's chapter 6, verse 22. And then notice with me, and, and I'm going to slow down because it's critical, because I'm going to use this family, and, I'm, and Meryl and Robin, I'm going to use your family if you don't mind, and, and we're going to be there in a moment. And that is, is this. Look at Joshua 6 and 25. It says, And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot. Man, uh, even when we come to the New Testament, uh, And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. Now, notice this. So she dwells in Israel to this day. He's talking about the long life that Rahab had. In other words, at the end of the writing of Joshua, the author Joshua is telling us, the old girl's still alive. Uh, so she dwells in Israel to this, and in my mind, I'm thinking of my 92 year old mother. And I'm thinking of our, our brother Black, that Toby coming in, he's 93. And, and so she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Oh, now the book of Joshua covers a period of 90 years. It's roughly a 90 year period. Rahab was still alive at the end of it. And yes, she got married. Uh, if you will, most people like me, I, I believe it, 
I believe that she, her husband's name is Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N. I love salmon, but it's not salmon, it's Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N. I, personal opinion, believe that Salmon was one of the two spies. And many Bible scholars believe that. It's, it's not in scripture, but to me it's just kind of a neat side note. Uh, notice uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 11:31, and the name sticks with her even in the New Testament. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did, who did not believe. Amen. If you will, James 2 and 25. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works. See, Rahab is a symbol of God's power to transform lives. If he can do it for her, he can do it for you. He can do it for me. He can do it for anyone. Anybody say amen? Uh, this is a beautiful rest of the story. Uh, and this happened today. And Meryl and uh, Robin, Robin was introducing me to your daughter and then your granddaughter and then your great-granddaughter and then Meryl's mother. Okay, notice with me, that's exactly, exactly what happened with Rahab. Um, I've got a grandson, 25 years old. He's not married and he doesn't have kids, but it would be my mother also. Uh, notice with me. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Only place that they dropped the harlot. Hallelujah. Would you, would you say, thank God for quit calling me that, would you? You know, uh, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David, king of Israel. If you know Matthew chapter 1, now that's some of the most boring reading in Scripture. You know, if you want to go to bed, go to sleep, read Matthew chapter 1. You know, reason why is so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. And we got all this begotten going on, begot, so-and-so begotten, begot, 14 generations, and all that stuff. But the point is, is this, it comes down to who? Jesus. Amen. Amen. Rahab the harlot was a descendant of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Amen. Don't tell me God can't lift you up. Don't tell me God can't take a miserable life and make it of value. Amen. See, I believe like, <clears throat> like Meryl's mother holding, what's her name? Delilah. 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 I love that. Uh, could, could you let Delilah stand up? Would that be okay? Hey, Delilah, would you stand up, darling? <clears throat> Isn't she a doll? Well, we talked a little bit out, out in the foyer, and she was telling me about her birthday. She had just had a birthday, and it was a Spider-Man birthday. And... and uh, uh, could you, could you hold her up for me, please? Because I'd love the congregation to see this because what you're looking at is what could have been David. As far as, now, uh, look at this darling. 
Okay, and then Meryl's mother is the generation. Meryl's, uh, the mother's with us this morning. God bless you, dear. Good to have you with us. Her holding Delilah would be like Rahab holding King David. Are you with me? I believe, now personal opinion, I can't prove it with scripture. I believe Rahab held David. I do. It'd be just like this. It'd be like my mother and my grandsons, who's not married, get on a stick, dude, go get your girl, but is not married yet, 25 years old, if they had a baby, okay? That, that would be that same, same generation. What it is, and, and I've, man, I've been working on this the last couple of days, and I said, Paul, okay, test me in this, but it is Rahab was David's great-great-grandmother. Okay, now think with me. Here we got a girl who carries a label. The label's pretty pronounced, harlot. She was a moral bottom feeder in one of the most sensitive cultures you find in Scripture, in Jericho, of Canaan. And she was on the bottom. God took her and put her name in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, God wants to lift up and transform lives. This is the power of God to transform a life. He can take a drug addict and make him a preacher like Nikki Cruz. He can take a harlot and make her a mother in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, he can do that for you. Uh, God wants our lives to have value. God wants to restore marriages. God wants to make life worth living. God wants to give us joy and peace and purpose and meaning, fulfillment. God, God, God wants your life to be a good one. The smartest, best thing you can do is make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Can you say amen? And he takes our lives from where we are and he lifts us up and he makes our lives worth living. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that right now, across this congregation, that, Lord, this would be the time that your Holy Spirit is right now reaching out. We've heard your word. And, Lord, now may we feel your presence. And may the power of your Holy Spirit so right now draw to you. I pray that, Lord, if there's any here that have yet to make you Lord and Savior, that, Lord, right now, this morning, there would be the drawing of your Holy Spirit, drawing them to you. I pray, Father, that you'd break down every wall, that you'd remove every barrier, take away empty religion, and may we recognize right now that this is not about religion, this is about relationship, and that there's a good God that wants a personal relationship with each one of us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you're sitting right there. I would love to lead you in a sinner's prayer of salvation here this morning. Uh, salvation is a free gift. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to pay your tithes to this church. You don't have to do anything. It is a gift. But if you're here this morning, say, hey, Pastor Gary, I, I, I hear you. And I really want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I want to have a prayer with you, with you seated right there. I'm not going to ask you to stand or walk to the front. I'm going to lead you to Christ 
with you seated right there. You're here this morning. You say, I'm ready to pray that prayer. I'm ready to accept Christ. Would you hold up your hand? Just to let me know you're here because I want to pray with you. Is there any across this congregation you're here this morning, you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Any at all? God bless you, young man. I see your hand. God bless your heart. There's one hand. Is there anyone else? I would love to lead you to the Lord. Is there anyone else in this congregation? There may be someone by way of live stream. We're going we're to lead a sinner's prayer. If you will pray this prayer, meaning it from your heart, you're accepting Jesus Christ this morning as your personal Lord and Savior. Congregation, if you're not ashamed of Jesus, if you're not embarrassed, I'm going to ask you, would you please pray with me and let's lead these to Christ. If you would pray with me, say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me my sin and help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank God for the new life. Amen. Thank the Lord. God is good. I would like to ask every, now please get this. This is not difficult. I'd like to ask every female to stand. That's pretty easy, isn't it? If you're men, stay seated. That's every female in the church. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'd like to, I've got a gift I want to give you. And I've been told that it's from a uh, cupcake place in Long Grove. And, and so you really want this. I mean, you know, it's good stuff. And, and they even said, Paul, you didn't make for sure and take one. Of course, they're closed on Sunday, but that's okay. We'll work it out. Uh, but if you would, I'd like every lady in the church house, would you please come and stand across the front of the church? Come on. It's okay. Every lady. I would like about four men that have good, strong legs. Would you come up here, please, to help me? About four of you men. God bless you, ladies. Paula, can I recruit you, please? Uh, would you hand, let these men take these? And if y'all would together, hand one of those to every one of the ladies, please. Uh, help hand that. Oh, no, you come up here with me. That's okay. That's great. Perfect. 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 If we don't have enough, come back next Sunday. <laughs> well, I'm looking and it looks like it's perfect. Okay, it looks perfect. Right, right, there we go, good. Didn't any lady not get one? Oh, we got one left over. Hey, give it to Paula, give it to Paula. There you go. Yeah, one left over, yeah, one left over. Hallelujah. Did any lady not get one? Please. Uh, yeah, uh, it's somebody run back there to her. Yeah, uh, there you go. I think we got three extras. That's God. Thank the Lord. 
Okay, men, if you would please, I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you please stand with me? Uh, Meryl's mother, let's make sure. Mama Meryl, did she get one? Okay. Mama Meryl. Mama Meryl. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Mama Meryl. God is good. Amen. Isn't it great to be in God's house? Yes, I'm going to ask every man here, if you would please, we're going to pray for the women. And I know the women have been praying for you. Did we're over 80 today. Thank God we're over 80 today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. But what we want to do, we men, is we're going to take our role as spiritual head. Because it is our responsibility as men to be able to take care of those in our household spiritually. And if you would, please let us men fulfill that role. Men, if you would stretch your hands this way. Father, we pray for the ladies. We pray your blessing for them. We thank you for the beautiful women of this church. We thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. And we thank you, Lord, for your keeping. And we pray that, Lord, you would use them, that you'd shine in and through their lives, that, Lord, you'd direct them. And, Father, we know that you have a ministry, you have a plan, you have a purpose for each one. So, Lord, here in you, there is no degrading of women, but, Lord, we want to elevate women. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing upon them, your keeping for them, and you use them according to your design, your purpose, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, ladies. Love you all. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Women's Day. Bless your heart.